Two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In other news, the pandemic has gone global. Welcome to episode 20 of Survival Tech. How you doing tonight, man? Awesome like a possum, buddy. How about you? Not too bad. It's been a uh, pretty busy week, but it's been a good week. So, how do you feel about getting up to episode 20? I can't believe it, man. Uh, we've stuck to our guns, you know, from, what was it, January when we said, you know, we're going to get to this and stick to it. And we're going to actually, you know, produce a show as much as we can. And, and uh, you know, sure beats out last year. Yeah, I think last year we had a total of uh, whopping three shows. Yep. And the majority of those were earlier in the year. Um, we, you know, wanted to get more out. We just, you know, couldn't really, um, I don't know, get into the groove. And uh, I think we found that groove this year. And I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to the show as much as we've enjoyed making it. Yeah, because uh, I look forward to sticking around. Sorry. Oh, I just, you know, hope to stick around for many more episodes to go. Oh, yeah. we still got a lot to do, man. Still got a lot to do and a lot to talk about. And, yeah, let's see what, what we can do to evolve this even more. Um, let's see. So what's episode 20 about, Corey? Well, episode 20, we're going to talk about the different types of shelters um, that you can create. Um whether it be you know in a survival situation, is it camping or um, is it just a you know weekend fun in the backyard? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also going to be talking about some uh, several different uh, fun ways to the uses of paracord and uh, you know different types of uses and and what you can you know make with paracord as well. Yeah, what what brought this on? Uh, I'm going to tell a little story real quick. Story time with Matt. Story time. Okay. What brought this on is uh, DMAC in the members area. Um, I actually work at the same place he does. And, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but you will be surprised how many people around you share the same interests. And, uh, you know, take it, you know, from like hunting, you know, that's, that can be like an icebreaker. Usually if they're hunters or outdoorsy, then they have... They have some sort of uh, either knowledge in you know survival and prepping, or they have an interest in it. And um, you know, it's just kind of cool to you know start getting you know your bands of people together that you know you like to you know, share ideas with and you know talk about stuff with. And uh, so anyway, um, you know, D Mac, he's he uh, we work at the same place and. Um, uh, He's also a member in our in our forums, and today we were talking, and uh, we were talking about you know braiding up paracord, and uh, we're going back and forth about you know different different types of braiding we do, and and uh, you know some of the upcoming projects we want to try with it, and uh, and uh, you know we started talking about that, and it's like 
you know what? We ought to, we ought to talk about that on podcast night. So, um, Corey and I, we're going to kind of throw out some, some neat things to do with Paracord. And, uh, you know, it's nothing that we have tried ourselves, but if other people can do it, we certainly can. And, and, uh, you know, just, you know, st- uh, stick with us. And at the end of the show, we're going to go ahead and, and talk about those and, and uh, maybe throw some ideas out there for you know some of our members to try. Um, it's it's going to be a neat one, that's for sure. There's a ton of stuff you can do with it. Well, Corey, I think I'm going to go ahead and take this time and uh, go into the Intel report. All right, let's hear what we got. What you're about to hear is confidential. The Survival Tech Intel Report. All right, with the Intel report. We, uh, I would like to welcome our newest member, uh, TX Medic. So uh, they're out of Texas, so I'm assuming it's just going to be Texas Medic um, shortened. But I'd um, like to thank you for joining the website and you know, look forward to, to seeing a whole bunch of posts from you. And, and uh, you know, I know you've already posted a couple things and definitely appreciate that. That brings our grand total membership up to 57. So uh, it's it's amazing. You know, I pull up the members page all the time, and it's it's like wow. You know, you start seeing all these different people, and then you start looking at all the forums and you know all the different topics that are going on, and and uh, man, it's 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 great. It's great. So, um, and with that. Uh, I went ahead and I, I finally took off uh, membership contest number two off the the main page. Um, we're going to be posting it over in the video, so you know anybody that can that wants to check out what we did, um, you can you know go over there, uh, or you can go ahead and and type in our YouTube channel, which is Survival Tech Podcast, all one word. Go and type that in the search bar in YouTube, and it pulls right up. And uh, you can see all the different review videos and how-tos and, and uh, the two contests that we've had already. That brings us to our contest number three. Number three. Number three. And uh, uh, DMAC and I, we were also talking about this. And uh, I kind of told him, you know, what I was going to do and, and everything, kind of give him some ideas. And, and uh, uh, so what the member... Contest number three is is making your own improvised weapon, and you have to be a member of the website to submit. And what we do is we have a we have a forum set aside, you know, strictly for members only um, that can view this. Um, you know, it's kind of a little initiative to try and get, you know, more of our listeners. Um, you know, we've, we've seen the numbers. There's, there's a bunch of downloads every week. Um, you know, just trying to get, you know, those listeners to kind of cross over and become a member. Um, it's free, um, so come on over. You know, make your own profile. Start, you know, posting in the forums and everything else. And you yourself, you can get entered into this uh, Survival Tech Contest number three for our members. And what we have is back in episode 17, um, that was our interview with Peter Brusso. Um, we brought it up to him. He had sent us uh, a care package with a whole bunch of stuff, and included in that was a, uh, uh, 
a Defender with training DVD. It's a Defender 1. And uh, he supplied this, and he's like, you know, you guys can you know, either, you know, take it and have it or, you know, use it for a contest. And it's like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, give this one out as, as a contest. So um, Peter came up with um, making an improvised weapon, um, you know, a weapon for a weapon. I, I think that sounds like a fair trade myself. Um the contest runs until Friday, June 22nd, so time is running out. Um, there's only two weeks left in in this contest. Um, I'm going to be building mine tomorrow and hopefully getting it up on the on the website um, under the forums uh, area, uh, hopefully by Sunday. And uh, what you know now, Corey and I and our wives. If they choose to make them, hopefully, I would like you know my wife to make one. Um, but we are not eligible to win this, so it's you know strictly um, you know of of the 57 members that are on the website as of now, 53 are eligible because um, our wives are not eligible uh, for this contest. But so just to to kind of give a, a quick overview, um, the submissions should be posted as such. And I've got this all, you know, called out on the forum post. If you go to the home page, if you're a member and you're signed into the website, um, right underneath our current episode, you can go ahead and you can click on the link that's there. And uh, it's real big. It says membership contest number three. Um, go ahead and click that. That'll take you straight to the forum. And it, it explains everything. Um, submissions should be posted as such. This is how we, we kind of want everything to be done. And um, uh, you'll see with with my post and, and whoever else, you know, hopefully, Corey, you can get yours done um, soon. Um, but this is, this is how we want to see the submissions. We would like to see a name of the weapon. Um, we would like to see the... Uh, description of the weapon, you know, what exactly, you know, does it do, you know, um, a picture of the weapon or a video of the weapon build and use. Um, if you have a, you know, a picture that's, uh, you know, timelining the actual build of the weapon, you know, that's def definite plus. But if you can do a video of it, um, at, at least of the use, you using the weapon, yeah, that would be great. Um, you know, small story. Uh, what situation caused you to build the weapon? And that's going to be that's going to be key because that's going to put us in the mindset of okay, this is the scenario that he's put himself in. So these are the materials that are going to be around him. So you know, cannibals are in the forest and they're chasing you. You know, so what's around you that that you can take them out? Um, post-apocalyptic uh, protection against the newly risen cult, um, you know, whatever, you know. So you might be in a, a city environment and all hell's broke loose and, you know, there's there's bad people out there. So, and you got to take them out. So, anyway, uh, weapons can be made from anything, but if they're made mostly from materials one would have on them, that would be a plus. So that means whatever you can scrap around you, in your situation that matches your story would definitely help the voting to put us in your situation. 
So, and then on June 22nd, um, we're going to get a hold of Peter, and we're going to look at the submissions, and uh, we're going to we're going to put a vote, and uh, we're going to choose our winner. So, to everybody out there that's uh, that's doing that, good luck. So, we've already got a membership contest number four. Um, it's uh, we're, we're not going to give any details on it. Um, the only thing that I'm going to say is. Uh, uh, we've already gotten um, the gear that we're going to be giving away uh, for that. That was supplied um, from Mike at MyImprintStudios.com. Uh, he's the one that did our, our run of shirts for our membership contest number two. Um, he's done some other stuff for us, and uh, you know it, it's been you know great quality and everything else. So he's he supplied something for the website to give away. Um, for the membership contest number four, so um, the podcast of of uh, on on June twenty second um, that will cover you know the membership contest number three, and then it's also going to cut off. Go ahead and and, and uh, you know cut off that membership contest number three, and it's going to go ahead and start the membership contest number four. So uh, you know look for that June twenty second podcast. Well, the, the one that we're going to record June twenty second. You know, probably be uploaded uh, to all the servers. You know, the uh, next following day. You know, hopefully I can I can get it up by then. Um, and uh, yeah, so a lot of lot of good stuff. You know, everybody, uh, if you're not a member, come on over. We say that every single podcast, but definitely come over. It's survivaltech.webs.com. Uh, membership is free. You know, just create a small profile about yourself. Boom, you're a member. Done. And then. Uh, you can reach us. Um, a couple people have been using the uh, the contact us page, and what that does is you, know, you just type in your email address, um, type in you know, who who you are, and uh, let's see, yep, name, email address, and then your message, and uh, you hit submit, and it sends it right to our email, which you can go ahead and send us you know straight emails if you want which is survival.tech at yahoo.com. Or, um, strongly suggest this, you know, I would, I would love to have a full podcast where we're just, you know, answering questions from our listeners and the audience and the members. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, strictly members. You know, it could be anybody out there. Um, but I would love to get, you know, a whole show where it's, you know, just voicemails from everybody. Um, so that number is 206-426-4893. That's area code 206-426-4893. And all that information is on the front page of the website. Well, very good, man. That's a lot of a lot of good information. Yeah. Um, definitely, everyone needs to check out, you know, the uh, Survival Tech Contest number three. I'm still in the gathering stages of uh, the material I'll be using to build mine. Are you going to be able to build it this weekend? Uh, that's going to be pushing it. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great, though. Yeah. I'm excited, man. So, I've got, I've already got all my stuff. I just have to build it. So I've got all my materials to build, um, and I've got the materials that I'm going to destroy. 
with my weapon. So I'm pretty much ready to go. I just have to assemble it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, something you'll never leave home without. <laughs> At least I won't. So anyway, um, all right, Corey. That, that pretty much wraps up the Intel report. Okay, so we've got, we had a whole series on your SOP, your bug out bag, your bug out vehicle, and your bug out location. Correct, Corey? Correct. And then we, last week, two weeks ago, we added bugging in. Right. And then last week, we did a first aid. So we're kind of making the whole round trip of, you know, not only, you know, the five C's and, and some other extra information. Um, but we're, we're kind of doing, you know, a, a good all around, all inclusive, you know, starting survival or starting prepping, um, uh, kind of, uh, line that, that we're, we're going down right now. Um, so with episode 20, it's like, well, you know, what's one thing that, that we haven't really discussed yet? Um, that's a definite ass saver if you're in a bad spot. And so Corey and I, we were talking, and it's like, well, shoot, you know, one thing that, that you have to have um, is shelter. So we're going to go ahead, and, and this is going to be more towards um, wilderness survival tonight. Um, but, you know, there's... There's going to be you know, some regular, you know, disaster prepping, um, you know, and you know, brought in as well. But it, that's more uh, common sense. You know, th- these are, you know, what we're going to be discussing. You know, most of this discussion is going to be uh, based on you know wilderness skills and wilderness shelters and what's going to save you when you're out in the woods. Or if you just want to, you know, try camping, you know, on a survival weekend with your buddies, which I highly suggest. I've got, I've got a couple weekends um, free, Corey, that uh, that I would like to get with you, and maybe we could, you know, pick one or two of them to go out and actually do um, uh, a survival weekend. And there's one um, uh, towards towards the end of summer that I would like to do with. Uh, with families as well, you know, not just like, you know, guys, guys trip. So, uh, they are fun to do. Yeah. You definitely learn a lot. There's a, you know, if you go into it in a kind of educational mindset, then you're definitely going to get something out of it when you leave. That's great, man. That's great. So here's, here's the big thing. (sighs) When you go and do these, you know, survival getaways or, um, you know, you're just out camping or, you know, whatever else, or you're really, you know, stuck in a bad spot, um, what's the one thing that you're going to need, Corey? Uh, fire. <laughs> <laughs> and? Shelter. Yes, definitely. So, Corey's got an article, and I've got an article. And uh, we're going to be posting these articles, and, you know, underneath... Underneath the show description, um, underneath you know where you can download it. So if uh, anybody wants to go and and uh, you know check these articles out, you know please do. Um, you can see all the different pictures and everything else. And uh, you know we don't have um, 
know, you guys can't see anything over an audio podcast, so uh, you know the pictures are, are definitely going to help. You know, when you're when you're out there, you know, listening to this podcast, you know, you can go back and and kind of you know check out the articles, you know, as as we kind of read and go over the stuff. So, um, the <clears throat> excuse me, the article that I found um, was from Fieldstream dot com, and uh, it's it's titled uh, Seven Primitive Survival Shelters That Could Save Your Life," and um, uh, let's see, I cannot find. Oh, let's see, the photos look by uh, Steve Sanford, but I cannot find. Uh, I can't find an actual author of this. Anyway. Um, so, Corey, what's the article that, that you're going to be citing? Mine came out of uh, wildwoodsurvival.com. So we're going to definitely post a link to that one as well. Yes. All right. Now, I think, you know, all any article that, that you find out there, you know, they're going to list them, you know, pretty much in order from, you know, easiest to, to most complex. And um, it's also going to you know, differ from, you know, definitely the different types of terrain that, that you could potentially be stuck in. Um, a lot of this is going to be based on woods. Um, but so let's start off with the easiest, the number one out of the seven that Field and Stream talk about. Um, it's mainly body heat shelters is, is the first grouping that they have. And the very first one is is... I mean, it's exactly the way the name is. Um, it's a debris hut. Um, you just pretty much take, you know, all the, you know, dead leaves and, you know, fallen branches and everything else, you know, all the clutter around on the uh, on the floor, forest floor, and you mound it up into a, a big giant heap, and you uh, go ahead and you, you hollow out a small cavity for you to crawl into, and um, you know, once you get into it, you block the entrance after you get inside, and it will you know, maximize the uh, um, the body heat loss, and uh, by adding you know a, a big insulation factor. Um, so that's you know it's exactly what it is. A debris hut is just a debris hut. All right. So um, that's also on mine. Yep. It's a simple and almost universal shelters, or how they describe it. And I personally like to call debris huts Sasquatch shelters. Really? Because I could see Sasquatch living in one of those. (laughs) (laughs) And if you ever watched Finding Bigfoot, they find a debris hut that they believe was built by Sasquatch. You know, that's funny. That small little, you know, small little uh, uh, sidebar here. I just started watching Finding Bigfoot. Um, because I hear you talk about it all the time. I don't talk about it all the time, but it's comical. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so since Corey talks about it all the time, um, so me and me and the boys, we started watching it, and uh, it's a it's it's a pretty entertaining show. So uh, if, if you guys haven't seen it, you know, go out and and uh, yeah, there's there's a few YouTube channels out there that uh, you know have. Um, have four episodes uploaded, and that, that's how I've been watching it, you know, with my boys. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check it out. It's 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 pretty fun. 
So, you're calling yours a Squatch Hut, huh? Yep, Sasquatch Shelter. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's uh, what's next one since we shared that one? Mine is a brush shelter. Okay. Um, which is shelters made from live branches. They have it different on here. Is it debris hut? You know, just debris? You know, everything just, that's, that's fallen and dead? Yeah. Okay. So a brush shelter would be from living, you know, green. Correct. Okay. So, you know, you're cutting off, you know, evergreen and... Uh, you know, creating shelter from that. Mm. Okay. Any any types of shapes or anything? <clears throat> Let me pull up this little article. Mm. Uh, they're showing mostly dome okay. shelters, and they're showing like an evergreen um, style, but, man, they look fairly large and... Comfy, and they have fires inside and everything. Wow, fires this inside. One, yeah, TP shaped. Wow, kind of like dome TP shape. Shape has been about the standard. Hmm. They look pretty cool. Damn, something else. I didn't. I don't know if I'd trust a fire inside, but but the woods are green. Yeah, you're right. Not gonna burn as easy. As easy. But this one has a. Raging fire in it. Oh, wow. Well, cool, man. Uh, the next one I have is a Quincy hut. Do you have those? No. Nope. Yours? Okay. It's, uh, uh, what it pretty much is, is a poor man's igloo. And, um, it can be body heated, um, just from your body and what, what you're putting off to above freezing. And on a 20 below day. So that's that's a pretty big jump. And if you light a candle, um, you can actually get it up a lot warmer than that. So what you do is uh, you build up snow to a depth of at least 8 inches and pack it down to make a floor. And then you start heaping a whole bunch of loose snow onto that floor. And uh, you pile the snow um, over like a backpack or... Mound of branches, and that will allow you to create a hollow, which uh, hastens the excavation process, but it isn't necessary. So you might have to dig, you might not. Um, and then uh, let the uh, snow harden, and um, it, it needs to be. It, it, you need to test it by making snowballs, is, is what they're saying. And then you just tunnel through the mound. Um, and, you know, dig out the center and, you know, pretty much crawl in. So uh, the Quincy should be narrow at the foot end um, with a bed long enough to lie down on and just tall enough at the head for you to sit up. Um, the walls and roof need to be at least a foot thick. So you got to check that with a stick. And you can do that by, you know, making your air vent. So... Yeah, that's that's kind of nice, you know, so you can go ahead and kill two birds with one stone. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, you cut out a snow block for the door or use your backpack or whatever you have with you, you know, to block that opening. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, they do say that you can glaze the interior walls with a candle to prevent dripping. So, 
you know, that mm. that might be something else too. But yeah, I mean that's that's something else. And wait wait till you you guys actually get on and and you see this this diagram that they have of it. I mean, you know, we we've all seen you know you know Dave and Cody and you know a whole bunch of other people you know go ahead and dig in the snow and, and make these. And uh, you know they've said that it's been fairly warm. Yeah, on mine they don't call it. Um, what do you call it? A, a Quincy hut. A Quincy hut. Yeah. Um, they just call it snow shelter. Okay. Once you start describing it, it you know it's the same thing. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So what's your next one? Now mine kind of just goes off the brush shelter, um, but it's a uh, grass shelter. <laughs> that's what Grassman uses. <laughs> which which that's who we have in in Ohio. In, in Ohio, yeah. Okay, um, first of all, okay, let this is what I think is stupid, okay? Watching Finding Bigfoot here, okay? And it's like, yeah, you know, we've heard of the grass man in Ohio, but pretty much the grass man is just Bigfoot. Yeah. Somebody called him grass man. We don't call him grass man, we call him Bigfoot. And we live in Ohio. So right. I think that's stupid. And then, you know, when you get down in the swamps and everything, you call him skunk ape. And, but he's Bigfoot. Bigfoot's Bigfoot. You know, I can see calling him either Bigfoot or Sasquatch and just being done. I agree. You know, I just, I don't All like... All these them. little territorial names. Yeah, that's silly. I don't... Yeah. I, you know, Kentucky Wild Man or whatever. No, just... It's no. Bigfoot. That's just Turtle Man. Turtle Man? Yeah, Turtle Man. Kentucky Wild Man. Have you ever seen Turtle Man? No. <clears throat> Live action. Never seen Turtle Man? No. This is dude. <clears throat> he started catching snapping turtles with his bare hands when he was seven years old. Okay. How many he's fingers? Got no does front he have? teeth. <laughs> How many fingers they, does he have got, left? They, he's got all of his fingers. Okay. His front teeth got knocked out by a chainsaw. <laughs> and he's got a big scar going across his head from where it came back and hit him in the face. Cool. But he's this, you know, rodent catcher, and he does everything barehanded. He'll catch anything barehanded. Okay. You know, snakes, raccoons, skunks, it doesn't matter. He catches them barehanded. Uh, snapping turtles, which is his favorite. And he does this, like, Indian yell, which I can't even do. I'm not even going to try and imitate. Oh, come on. you got to try. I uh, <laughs> can't do it. You have to try. <laughs> and, uh... He carries thunder with him. Okay. And thunder is his, like, Bowie knife that's, like, 13 inches long. Okay. That's thunder. And uh, he's got a dog, too. I can't remember the dog's name. But... Lightning? No. If I had a knife named Thunder, I, my dog's name would I'm pretty be sure the knife was Thunder. Right? Maybe the dog was Thunder. But I think the knife's Thunder. But this dude is nuts. And he does it for, like, what people pay him is, like, you know, $35 or... <laughs> An apple pie, or, <laughs> you know, two dozen eggs from the chickens. Right. I mean, that, that's all he works for is, you know, just everything. But this dude, at his own house, he had a mice problem. So instead of setting mice trap, mouse traps, mm-hmm. he went outside and caught his, his pet snake, that's his buddy, and brings him in, lets the snake loose in the house while he goes out on a job. And he came back, and there was not one mice, but there was two. 
and the snake found him because <laughs> he had two bumps. <laughs> cool. And then he gave him a kiss and put him back outside. <clears throat> You've never seen Turtle Man. No. I'm We're going to have to add a link to Turtle Man on the website tonight, or okay. the podcast tonight. All right. Cool. So we got Grassman and Turtle Man. Yeah, he's on uh, Animal Planet. All right. Well, cool. Okay, so back to your grass hut since we've <clears throat> kind of derailed the show a little bit. Yeah, but Turtle Man is worth derailing the show for. Actually, <laughs> oh, <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, so grass shelters, from what they're saying, is just the same thing as a brush shelter, just instead of with, you know, evergreen branches or live branches or debris off the floors with grass. So mm-hmm. um, they're very, you know, kind of redundant, but, you know, get different ideas, different pictures. It's made from, you know, long grasses. Depends on what area you're in. Um, unless I don't mow my yard, yard for a while, I'm not going to be able to build a grass shelter. <laughs> but my neighbor's yard, I could probably <laughs> use it. <laughs> oh, that's great. <clears throat> that is great. <laughs> oh, shoot. So, uh, so you know, just to recap, you've had a debris shelter, a, what was the, the next Brush. one? Brush shelter. Yeah, debris no shelter. Right. And grass shelter. Yeah. Okay. Cool, I can't wait to hear what the next one's going to be. House shelter. <laughs> nope. Okay. You, want, you want my next one? I'll give you my next one. All right, go ahead. Using a tree as your shelter. Oh, God. So it's a tree shelter. So it's a tree shelter. <laughs> it's, you know, using a fallen tree mm-hmm. to as the framework um, or it itself as your shelter. Um, you know, when there's a big windstorm or something and something gets uprooted. Mm-hmm. Using those uproots as your shelter, which is a good idea mm-hmm. because it's solid. It's, you know, it's not going nowhere. Tree's not going to fall on you because it's already fell. Mm-hmm. So. Well, cool. Well, I've got a. Or if you got two trees that fell side by side, mm-hmm. you can cover over top of them and go in between them. Yeah, and that's that's what mine is, is a lean-to. So it, this one is a pole and a bow lean-to. And, uh, you know, this is one of the most ancient shelters, and it's just a single wall of lean-to. So it serves triple duty as a windbreak, a fire reflector, and an overhead shelter. But you got to make sure, <laughs> as Corey can tell you in the past, you know, make sure your, uh, your shelter isn't uh, uh, real tall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or so, that doesn't uh, work so well. Right. Um, so you wedge a ridge pole, um, and uh, you go ahead and you start tilting poles against that ridge pole to make a framework. And then you can either lace, uh, you know, limber boughs through the poles at right angles, and that'll that'll start to uh, to strengthen it up. And then you can thatch the lean-to with either slabs of bark, leaves. Uh, pine needle branches, and you can go ahead and or, weave those. Or long grass. Or or grass, and then you can make your grass shelter. And then um, you can go ahead and add uh, sod, moss, or snow to uh, um, to further insulate it. So, 
You know, it's it's the one that you know we've all seen, and uh, you know, just a a regular pull and bow lean to. We used something similar to that when Andy and I um, went uh, to our little survival weekend down in Wayne National Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were lucky enough to take along tarps, and we didn't use no poles. We just, you know, string the tarp up the trees and made it a lean-to that way. And it not only, you know, kept us dry, um, you know, broke the wind, and it also reflected our fire back down, down on us at night. And it got, you know, down in the lower 30s, so um, it worked well. So, you know, a little few more improvements, and, you know, you could have made it, if you knew it was going to be more long-term than one night like we did, um, you know, you could have made it a lot more comfortable or a lot more sturdy if you're, you know, expecting, you know, strong winds or, or whatnot to be, you know, coming your way. Okay. If I would have stayed there any longer, I would have wanted, you know, poles and a little bit more meat holding the thing together. I mean, I had enough meat. I took two deer steaks, but right. I meant on my shoulder. <laughs> All right, so what's what's your next one? A yurt. Really? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I know about those. So on here they talk about this guy and how he built a yurt and uh, the kind of dimensions and, and everything that he used. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to set it up. Uh, it doesn't really explain exactly what the yurt concept is too good and I didn't read all the way through it yet mm-hmm. um, I do have it saved to my contacts or my favorites to come back to because um, a yurt is great they're super strong um, you can have a fire inside of them um, from this it looks fairly simple to build mm-hmm. um, and I think that you could do this um, with paracord with you know uh, a good knife or a hatchet that you have with you, and uh, you know some knowledge of, of how it's put together, and then using one of the three methods I've already talked about, which is debris, brush, or grass, um, to cover it. I think you'd have a you know really nice size, you know, living quarters for your survivability. Yeah, and uh, you know if if you had to. Well, you're going to have to, you know, for the most part, but uh, packing the walls, you know, with mud, with like a, uh, you know, mud and leaf mixture, and boy, that would that would make one hell of a shelter. Yeah, I mean, you could, you know, move in there. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I had one just for fun. Well, is, uh, do they say anything about making it out of PVC? No, they don't. They're using like some. No, that doesn't really say. I don't think. Hmm. Because I made mine out of PVC. Well, you know, if you ever get stranded at a PVC factory or at a Home <laughs> Depot, um, you'd be set. Yeah. <laughs> Finding that out in the wilderness, though, you're gonna be hard to find. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, mine was for a, a college project, and uh, I was uh, in an, in an advanced design class. And uh, advanced design, and you chose a yurt. Yeah, 
Not very advanced. Isn't that primitive? Yeah, but what I did with it. And but didn't you have to withstand like 200 mile an hour winds? And yes, yes, we had to we had to withstand. Um, no, it was it wasn't 200 mile an hour. It's like like 150 mile an hour winds. No, I'm and, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it had to uh, cost less than fifty dollars and weigh less than fifty pounds. Um, the the whole thing was uh, based on uh, setting up uh, living quarters for the homeless. And, um, so, you know, just, it was going to be, you know, pretty much a temporary shelter, but, but it had to fall within, um, you know, those parameters where, you know, the less than $50 to build, uh, less than 50 pounds that I had to weigh and had to, uh, withstand 150 mile an hour winds. And, uh, I, I took a yurt and changed a little bit of the design and, uh, had it all calculated out and I, I only needed six pounds um, in the middle of the yurt to withstand the uh, 150 mile an hour winds. So if a if a uh, grown man you know was was sitting in it, you know you'd be absolutely fine and uh, you know no problems. And you know if if you weren't there, you know part of it was you know using one of the screw in dog anchors. Um, you know that was that was you know fixed to the floor so. You could, uh, you know, not worry about your your shelter blowing away if you know there was ever a 150 mile an hour wind gust that you know came your way. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You know, learned learned a lot about you know the shape of the yurt. The yurt's so strong is is because of the the lattice work on the inside and being in a circle. So there's no real hard edge for the wind to hit. So the wind's always breaking around it. And if the wind does catch it and starts pushing, it's got, you know, all those points of the lattice work that's going to be taking up the strength. And it's going to be, you know, kind of flexing and pushing back. So yurts are extremely strong. And, uh, you know, some of the yurts that you can, you know, go ahead and buy as kits, you know, for like, you know, uh, hunting cabins or, you know, just a you know, weekend getaway place, or whatever, some of them are pretty damn nice. And, uh, you know, they're, they're made out of, you know, wood lattice work and then, you know, canvas, you know, a real heavy canvas, you know, for the, uh, for the outside covering. But, but yeah, some of them, you know, you have, you know, you've got wood floors and everything else and, you know, fireplace over in the side and, you know, TVs and it's like, holy shit, pretty nice. Yeah, I think if you're, uh, you're going to go out and if, you, you know, going to be stranded for a while and you have the resources and time or better yet if you're going out camping with a group of guys for three or four days or you know five to seven days i think a yurt would be one of the you know top structures that you'd want to build um not only for the strength but for the room um you know the warmth of it because you can have a fire inside um I, I, you know, I think the yurt design would be the way to go. Yeah, it's pretty neat, and they originated from Mongolia. So, you know, some some tough dudes lived in yurts way back when. <laughs> so, all right, well, the next one that I have is um, just the A-frame. It's pretty much, you know, just like the lean-to, except for instead of stacking the uh, poles, you know, only on one side, um, you're... 
you're stacking them, you know, in a triangle shape, you know, pretty much an A shape, you know, note the name of the A frame. And, um, um, it's, it's exactly what it is. You know, just like the lean to, you know, you go ahead and, and you, uh, thatch the sides. And, um, uh, one advantage that, that allows is, um, is, uh, you can be heated by the fire at the entrance. Um, but, a drawback is that the occupant can't lie down parallel to the fire for even warmth. So it's going to be like at your head. So, you know, or at your feet, you know, depending on on uh, on how you climb into it. But the A-frame is, is you know, a very primitive, and um, it's, it's a very easy shelter to make. Yeah, and that... And then you can take the A-frame and build onto it, mm-hmm. and you can kind of create my next one yeah. with a little modification and turn it into a teepee. Yeah. A traditional Native American teepee. Um, and it's, you know, just that. It's, uh, you know, cone shape, upside-down cone uh, shape that has, you know, some sort of material around it, whether it be, you know, a tarp, plastic you found, um, if you can find enough of it, you know, brush and grass and debris, um, to create your, uh, your teepee. And the guy on here, this was a, yeah, plastic teepee mm-hmm. by, uh, Alan Bochamp, I believe how you pronounce it. And he is in negative 45 below zero at 3 a.m. when he took this picture. Cool. Um, up deep in the bush, so he likes to get up early in the morning and wander the shoreline and, and see what the night has to offer and uh, work at his skills. Um, you know, at uh, a time that you're not used to. So uh, those are some of his survival techniques and tips. And uh, there's a picture of you know, his TP, and it was negative 45 degrees below. So well, that's cool. You can kind of see a fire on the inside. Some sort of light on the inside. Hmm. But I've always wanted to build a TP. Um, I think they're they're fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need a whole lot of uh, material to to get your framework up. Um, the frame pretty much holds itself once you get it up. Mm-hmm. And then it's just uh, you know the material around it is uh, the biggest concern, and you know for the height restrictions and all that. Well, that kind of brings to my next one, which is kind of funny how how this is you know bouncing back and forth. Um, mine's the wiki up, and the wiki up is the forerunner of the teepee. And this is something that that we could possibly do uh, you know on a on a family camping trip with the kids. You know, just uh, make a wiki up for them uh, that they can play in, Corey. I think I think we definitely should. Um, it's pretty much, you know, just like a teepee. You, know, you start off with your three poles, and then, you know, you start, you know, um, tilting the other poles onto the frame. And then um, just with our brush shelters or our debris shelters, um, you start thatching the sides uh, with that. So it's kind of a, a hybrid of a, of a brush shelter and a teepee. So, Very cool. I didn't yeah. know that. And that was a new one. I learned that one. Yeah, that's that's the wiki up, and which kind of brings us to my next one. Yeah, which is the wigwam. 
Ah, uh, okay, that's cool because that's my next one too. So it consists of a frame onto which sheets of bark are lashed, um, and they're uh, suggesting that burk bark is usually best, um, and it is waterproof and it peels off easily off the tree in large sheets. Um, and you just create a framework and then you know attach the uh, layers of of bark on, and you got yourself a you know nice dry shelter. Well, cool. And this one is about seven, eight feet tall, and it looks pretty good. It's pretty cool. Me and myself, I would made the opening a little smaller so I wouldn't, you know, lose my heat. But it looks like they're at a beach or uh, somewhere like that, so maybe uh, heat would not be an option for them. Looks like there's sand on the ground. Hmm. But, yeah, wigwam. I never really knew how to make one, but it seemed fairly simple. Yep. Yeah, it says that there's uh, four steps to it um, on my screen. Well, so four's not very many. That's nope. pretty cool. <laughs> we can all count to four. Yeah. One, mm-hmm. two. <laughs> all right, so um, my next one is a uh, Salish subterranean shelter. And Ooh. this was, yeah, this was used by Pacific, Pacific tribes, not specific, Pacific, tribes from Alaska to present-day California. And it's pretty much a pit shelter, um, which is completely impractical unless you have something to dig with. Um, but they offer better protection from extreme heat and cold than above-ground shelters. So you need to dig a pit the circumference of the intended shelter to a depth of three feet. They need to build a supporting tripod of poles, uh, strengthening the framework with horizontally laced limbs. Then thatch the shelter. So it's pretty much uh, either, you know, TP wigwam, wiki up, you know. Um, but it's with a pit in the middle. And, uh, you know, so it gets you, you know, gets you, uh, you know, three foot down. And but I mean they're showing uh oh shoot they're showing a laddered entrance in this picture um, and then they're using the earth removed from the pit to sod and insulate the shelter walls so that's that's kind of different but it's uh it's it's similar to a to a cone shape and uh, you know I mean they're showing a, a smoke vent hole you know which also doubles in as the entrance but you have to have a uh, ladder to get down to it so pretty hmm. cool I have that same one but they call it a um, scout pit really yep hmm and they're saying um, take off the uh, top six inches of soil and set it aside um, you'll be using it for the uh, roof later hmm. and then dig a hole um, to hip depth and then uh they kind of have it tiered out um, so it's wider at top and then kind of gets you know more narrow as you go down. Um, and you use that top ledge to line with uh, logs that go across. And then you start packing the dirt back over top and then uh, debris and landscaping and you can't even tell it's there. You have just one little small hole opening that you can climb down inside of. Cool. Yeah, because underground it stays, you know, constant 
50 degrees or so mm-hmm. all year round. That's pretty cool. Yep, good stuff, man. A little dirty, uh-huh. but survival, you don't care about that. Right. You're already dirty. That's right. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt, right? That's right. All right, cool. All right, so that that's all uh, I really have about you know primitive you know shoulder building. Um, I do have I do have uh, you know three things to kind of hit on that are a little bit more modern. I have one more. Okay, um, so which is kind of um, overlooked, um, but it's uh, very common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and just using the natural surrounding is if you have any caves, if the caves are you know natural and dry mm-hmm. um they're sometimes the ideal shelter especially in winter um you know if it's wet or is it prone to flash flooding you may not want to be in the cave um but if you're you're up in a high enough elevation and it's you know dry more than likely that cave's been there for a long time and ain't going nowhere and uh it may be a great um Already made shelter that will reflect the fire back down on you, um, you know, in a situation. And it's, you know, the work's already done, especially if you're already fatigued or, or you know, something in that nature. There's there's minimal work that you have to do um, to get the shelter ready to sleep in. Plus, you could always, you know, if you're really hungry, you could always go Aussie on a bat. That's right. Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> So, well, cool. Well, let's see. Um, I know we had talked about, you know, earlier about, you know, for more like, you know, disaster, you know, preparedness and everything. Here's here's one thing. Um, your house is a shelter. Uh, we're not going to get into it because. Uh, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, I'm telling you, your house is a shelter. Your garage is a shelter. Um, if you're like me. Um, the doghouse, you know, can be a shelter. You know, I find myself in the doghouse quite a bit. So, um, you know, that, that car. Can, well, yes and no. Um, car de- is dependent on the weather. Um, sometimes the car is not the best choice um, in colder situations because you don't have a way to really heat yourself. Um, you're not going to build a fire inside your car. <laughs> you're right. Unless you drive my car, and then <laughs> it's a possibility because you can't damage it, you know, you know, any more than what it is. You know, that might make an improvement. So, but, you know, what is a car? A car is a rolling heap of metal. Um, you know, metal, you know, and glass, you know, they bring on condensation and everything else. Um yeah, right now it's it's like what you know, seventy degrees outside here in Ohio. Yeah, go out and touch your car. It's it feels cold to the touch. Um, but if it's thirty three degrees and raining, I'll take my car. To a point, if you can, if you have a cave right there, the cave might be a better choice than your car. Because at least maybe you can build the fire, and but there's no cave. Well, you never know. And all my woods wet, so there's no fire. It's been raining for three days. Yeah, and snow. 
but not enough to make a shelter. Well, that's why you need to have um, your survival tech, 15-minute uh, fire starter, a good blast match with you, you know, all the paracord you can carry. You can do anything with that Rambo knife, you know, with a compass and a handle. <clears throat> that's a plus. You gotta yeah. have that, Corey. But what if, see, I didn't tell you I was in my truck, and the back of my truck had a camper. Hot <laughs> <laughs> two It's my little drum roll. Cool. All right, so sometimes your car is not the best answer. Sometimes it's great. If it's a you know, spring, summer, fall, night, and you broke down on the side of the road, yeah, you know what? It's probably going to be best to stay in your car, you know, especially if it is raining and everything else. You, know, you should have enough supplies in your car, such as blankets and you know, whatever else you need to keep you through uh, you know, the night, you know, especially if you have a 72-hour kit you know, for the car. Um, so you know, that might not be the best the best shelter out there, but, you know, there are others that are, you know, more modern. Um, there's number one that, you know, everybody, you know, thinks about packing in, in their, in their you know, survival pack, their three-day pack, whatever, um, which is the plastic tube tent. Corey, are you familiar with these? I'm sure you are. I am. Um, I would not buy one of these uh, ever. Um, they're extremely thin plastic. Uh, there's multiple companies out there that make them. Um, all you're pretty much getting is a string and a piece of plastic. And it's thin plastic at that. Um, it is orange, so that's kind of a plus. But other than that, you can do the same thing, if not better, with paracord and tarp. I agree. Um, and you can only take that a step farther and use a um, reusable emergency space blanket. Yep. And then you'll be reflecting the heat back down on you. Yeah, in fact, I've got a video that I'm going to post a link to. Um, Dave Canterbury did it. It's a uh, trail pack that he has. Um, I'm pretty sure it's close to the same material, if not the same material, as like one of those heavy-duty space blankets. How it even could be one of those, you know, heavy-duty ones. Um, not the cheap, thin little mylar, you know, a buck a piece, um, you know, fold up into a cigarette pack size, you know, bundle. You know, we're talking the heavy-duty ones. You, you recently got some, didn't you, Corey, a couple months yeah. back? Yeah, I got some. I think they were uh, six feet by six feet, and they were uh, fifteen dollars. Um, but they're heavy duty, like tarp material on one side, and nice sewn edges, like cloth sewing border around the edge. Hmm. Not you know, like nylon, right? Well, cool. But yeah, this this video shows you how to set up, you know, one of those you know tarps, uh, blankets, whatever, and. Uh, it's it's pretty much um, pretty much the same thing as as an A-frame um, that we had talked about uh, earlier, but you know it's it's a it's a it's a 
lot better shelter than what that tube tent could ever think about being. So, uh, you know, definitely go and, and watch that video. It, it's not too long, and, and uh, you know, Dave, Dave shows you some pretty cool knots and everything in there, too. So, and then uh, the other thing I have is, uh, you know, just a regular tent. You know, I don't care if it's dome tent or cabin style tent or, you know, whatever, tent's a tent. Um, but tents are comforting, you know, especially with a rain fly that works. <laughs> yeah, you know, going out there and roughing it, huh, buddy? Yeah. With your air bed and it's, hey, no, not knocking it. You know, I've definitely done it myself, you know. Well, when the time comes and I don't have it, I don't have it. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to have to get up and play with the kids the next morning and do things, if I don't have the air mattress, I ain't getting up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be hurting. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, tube tents, um, jump back to that. You, know, you can buy them anywhere from, uh, I've seen them from 5 bucks all the way up to 15 bucks. You know, save your money on that. You can actually, you know, put another 10 bucks to... A decent tent. Um, I had a Lake and Trail tent for about 12 years, um, probably a little bit longer than that. Um, I know I've I brought it up in a, a past episode. You know, that's just uh, a Meyer special. You know, it was uh, Lake and Trail. Um, but I abused the hell out of that tent. I got two Ozark Trail tents now. Um, you know that are that are you know mine. Uh, the boys, my boys, have a smaller Ozark Trail tent. Uh, it seems to be, you know, fairly well built. You know, we're not, we're not looking for, I'm not looking for a tent that will last, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, you know, when I buy a tent, I'm looking at, you know, maybe four camping seasons. Um, that's going out camping multiple times, but, you know, tents do break down. Um, you know, so I myself, I would rather, you know, spend the money, you know, every four years and get a brand new tent. Um, rather than you know repairing you know uh, a really expensive tent and then you know getting to the point where you're frustrated and you're you're tired of fixing it and everything else and just you know going out and buying another one so but don't get me wrong you know they they do make some really nice tents out there that you know I wouldn't mind having but it's just not just not feasible you know in in my uh, you know frugal thinking. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with a tent. That's what they're made for. And um, <clears throat> they got some nice ones. They got every you know size imaginable, from you know little to big and bigger. So it all depends on uh, the amount of weight you want to carry and uh, what your needs are. Yeah, I think uh, I think my boys. Um, it's a scout tent. Um, it's like a I think it's five five by five. I think. And it's, you know, just perfect for them. Um, I've got my dome tent is a uh, 7x7, so it's a little bit bigger. But it's, it's you know, comfortable for me to sleep in. And, uh, you know, on the, you know, smaller smaller trips and everything. But um, I do have a, a larger um, cabin-type dome tent. Um, I do not have the three rooms like you, Corey, because Corey has, has one also. But he's got the three rooms in his. I opted for the one single room. Um, mine's 16 by 10. I think yours is quite a bit bigger, isn't it? Mine's 10 by 20. Okay. 
with a six foot eight center. Yeah, my center's only six foot six, so no problem. But yeah, I mean, th- yeah, those tents are great for like, you know, you know, long camping trips and everything else, and you want to line the whole thing with air beds and. Yeah, that that makes a a pretty comfortable you know time of roughing it. So, um, but one thing that's great about tents is, man, you could throw it in the back of your car and forget about it, and that's it's always there. So, but that's pretty much it on shelters, buddy. That's pretty much all I have. If anybody yeah. if anybody else has anything else on shelters, or you know, you've tried shelters, or you know, questions about shelters, or you know, you've got some tips on shelter building. Uh, what to look for, whatever else, you know, call into the show, uh, leave us a message, we'll play on the next podcast, you know, we'll re- recap and, uh, you know, touch us. I'm sure we're going to, you know, get into the subject a lot more, you know, as soon as, you know, we start getting into it and, you know, maybe we can, you know, start specializing on, you know, hey, this, this structure itself and, you know, this is what it can be used for and when and everything else. Like, like we said, you know, this is just an overview show, so... Well, Corey, what did you find about Paracord? Well, I found a website called uh, uniquerocraft.blogspot.com, and we will add that to the show notes today. And they talk about several different types of um, knots that they use, way to tie Paracord, and then they use some um, the, uh, some different ways of them using the Paracord. Um, I mean... As you know, everyone knows there's the survival bracelet. Um, most of us have you know one or two of them um, at all times with us. Um, then and there's different ways of time. You have you know the cobra weave and uh, the Solomon, uh, the Solomon bar. And uh, what they have done is they took a Solomon bar, two sections of that, and they. Um, Tied them together with another piece of paracord, and they made uh, handgun magazine pouches out of them, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's just you know taking what you have and making different things out of it, and you know that's a that's a good way to you know, add some paracord to your you know tactical um, <clears throat> your tactical gear as well. Yeah, and then uh, you know some other they're different you know key fobs and things like that, and they have like eight pages of things, and I suggest, you know, you check, get on there and check them out. They have some, you know, tutorials of how to make it and, and jigs how to make them and, and stuff like that, but um, some of the things that I wanted to do that I still, I've been wanting to do for a while is, is making a paracord belt. Um, well, cool. We've talked about that in the past. Um and I, I think there's some, there may be a forum post on it. I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, yep. Dave. Dave talking yep. about, you know, paracord belt. And um, he called in, I believe, and talked about you doing it over top of another belt. Yep. So uh, that's a great idea. And uh, my only, you know, my one concern is, is it going to be, you know, Wide enough to have the stability, but thin enough to go through the belt loop. Right. And that's what I gotta try. Um, well, here's, I've I've got a, a website up um, that kind of goes hand in hand with with what you were just talking about, 
it gives a whole bunch of uses, emergency uses for paracord. So I'm going to get into those after we discuss about this belt, because the number one, it says, uh, you know, first of all, one of the main questions we get is, how do you hold up your pants after you've taken apart your uh, paracord belt? Hmm. It's like, uh, okay, you know. Well, he says, uh, you know, uh, you can either form a makeshift belt with some of the leftover or suspenders. So, <laughs> there you go. You know, zip ties work well, too. Yep. If if you ever have zip ties on you. I've used those at work to hold my pants up and I forgot my belt. <laughs> <clears throat> and it works. No one knows so my pants stay up. Cool. Um, another thing I want to do is my uh, straps on my bug-out bag, mm-hmm. um, I would like to wrap them in paracord. Yeah. My shoulder straps. Yep. That's so I always have great. additional... You know, paracord with me, but it's not taking up room within my bag. Right. Nope. That's uh, plus. I think it'll give it that cool factor too. Oh yeah, it's always cool. You know, black bag with OD green. You know, paracord wrap straps. Oh, that's that's badass. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some emergency uses for paracord? Is that what you asked, Corey? I think you did. Here we go. Uh, repair torn clothing. So you can use it to sew with. Uh, repair torn or broken equipment. So, you know, that, whatever, by tying or sewing, whatever. You can either uh, make a makeshift tow rope. Um, so a single length of paracord under under perfect conditions, okay? That's why they call it 550 cord. can handle 550 pounds of weight. That's only under perfect conditions. Um, so if you wrap it securely 10 times, you have the ability to pull 5,500 pounds. So, you know, that's, that's a thought. Um, you can securely tie down items to the top of a vehicle. Uh, you can string up a clothesline. You can hang up a bear bag to keep your food away from critters. Um, you can do what Corey and I do, uh, replace your shoelaces with them. Um, you can replace a broken zipper pull. You can use it as dental floss. I don't know if I'd try that, but, you know, go for it if you want. Uh, pull out the internal strands and keep your hygiene even in the woods. Um, tie things to your backpack. Uh, secure an animal to a tree or post or make a leash. Um, tie up a person. Oh, okay. Um, string up a tripwire. Um, you can lower yourself or an object carefully down from height. And it says, big note, paracord is not a climbing rope and is not a realistic replacement for a true climbing rope. So do not expect it to catch if you should fall. So um, you can also rig a pulley system. You can make a ladder. Uh, you can tie up a tarp or poncho. Um, you can tie yourself to a buddy in case there's an avalanche or a uh, rock slide or something like that. Um You can make a pack by making a net and then adding a drawstring. Um, You can build a shelter using sticks and tying up corners of poncho or tarp. Um, You can rig up an improvised hammock. I would like to really try that. Yeah, that that would be cool. That would be cool. Um, You can make a snare. Um, You can lash logs or other items to build a raft. You can tie snowshoes. Uh, You can make a uh, bow drill. You can make a sling to throw stones. 
You can use it for signaling uh, by tying a mirror or a colorful cloth to the top of a tree. Um, you can use it as fishing line. You can use it as a fish stringer. Um, you can make it, you know, just a net and, uh, you know, try fishing that way. Uh, for first aid, you can, uh, you know, use it to uh, help secure a splint to arms or whatever, you know, whatever broken limb. Um, you can tie a sling to hold an arm. You can sew up a wound using internal strands. I don't know if I'd really want to do that, but... In an emergency situation. Yeah, you might have to, but... And then for thinner thread, you untwist one of the internal strands. Yeah, there you go. So with it. Um, you can make a tourniquet. <laughs> you know, see our, uh, you know, visit episode 19 for that. You know, don't use a Last resort, right. And then uh, you can make a stretcher by running paracord between two long sticks. So... There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with paracord. Paracord is one of those essential things that you you should take what you think you need and then another half of that. Yep. Because there's always something you're going to think of that you can use paracord for. And you may have to cut it or whatnot, so you may, you know, um, but there's always uses for paracord. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that list is from SurvivorGeek.com. So, uh, you know, pretty cool stuff. Now, one thing that uh, uh, D-Mac and I, what uh, what we were checking out, which I think is just absolutely the coolest ever, is uh, making making a canned koozie with half-hitch, with the half-hitch uh, knotting method. And uh, that looks pretty kick-ass. So... Um, I'd like to, I'd like to make a couple of those. So, uh, you know, definitely go and check out and, and, uh, if anybody else has, you know, anything that that they can add or, you know, they've seen, you know, you know, pull the picture or, you know, if, if you've made it, you know, take the picture and, uh, you know, post it to the website. I know there's a bunch of, uh, guys out there doing Braden and, um, uh, I recently made a leash uh, for my uh, for my dog, and um, one thing that that I love is you know guys are like, oh, I got you know twenty foot of paracord on this bracelet. Uh, yeah, no, you don't. Um, you know, usually, you know, the bracelet that you have on you, you know, is about you know probably eight foot, you know, at best. Um, I used a I used a fifty foot. Um, piece of paracord um i had it in a 50 foot section you know bought it that way you know just bought the one the one section um it was a a cool camo um like a you know digital uh camo print paracord and uh so i went ahead and bought that and i ended up turning that into a leash so it took 50 feet um uh i used uh cobra weave and um it uh it made you know almost a a five foot leash, so you know it's uh you know five foot that contains you know fifty foot of of paracord you know there's no way in hell that your you know bracelet has you know twenty foot in it so 
anybody that tells you that, you know, go ahead and roll your eyes and, you know, okay, buddy, yeah, go for it. But, but uh, you know, know that, that they're kind of pulling your leg there. So, yeah, I should I should probably post that leash, huh, Corey? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, buck ninety seven uh, clasp and and uh, you know three dollars worth of paracord and I made a leash that you know even that hell probably a dog twice her size couldn't break so yeah pretty good stuff man and it's comfortable too you know I made it with just a just a loop end and uh, you know so I can slide my wrist through it and tighten it down and. Hell, if I wanted to put my hands in my pocket and walk her at the same time, you know, hell, she just stays right with me. So, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. And speaking of paracord, um, during our uh, last couple recent geocaches, um, mm-hmm. you know, we the kids have been taking some items out. We've been leaving some items, and I think paracord is a great thing to leave. You can, you know, do a a bracelet or do a key fob or something like that. And they're fairly inexpensive, but they have a lot of use to them. And it'd be a great item to to leave in, um, you know, geocaches for for the next person. Yep. Um, so that's what we're gonna start doing. We're gonna start making a bunch of them up, and then as we go on these geocaches, we're going to uh, leave these key fobs and bracelets and such. Yep. Use those for trade. Well, Matt, do you have anything else? Nope, I do not. Well, everyone, just uh, you know, keep checking in with the uh, the member uh, contest number three. Um, it should be getting uh, pretty interesting here in a few days or so. Some posts will start popping up, and uh, you know, don't forget about that. And and when that ends, and that ends on the uh, the twenty second of June. So uh, don't forget to you know all the members. Um, get your post in there, and if you're not a member yet, just come on over and join at www.survivaltech.webs.com. Send us an email at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And until next time, stay alive, America.